0: This is episode number 197 with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. So head on over to the Apple Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? Dr. Stephen Cabral is a regular on the show, but for those of you that don't know who he is, he is a board-certified naturopathic doctor and the founder of Cabral Wellness Institute and stephencabral.com. And at age 17, he was diagnosed with life-altering illnesses and given no hope for recovery. Every single day, he suffered endlessly for many years. It was only after Stephen traveled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurvedic healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine, did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize it with life. Today in Dr. Stephen Cabral's online and Boston practice, where he and his team have completed over 250,000 client appointments, he uses functional medicine lab testing and personalized wellness plans to help people rebalance their mind and body to recover from autoimmune, thyroid, fatigue, hormone, weight gain, digestive, mood, skin, and a dozen other hard to treat health conditions. His mission is to help people understand that there is always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals, and that you can and will get well again. And in this episode, we chat about how we got into this binge drinking culture what alcohol does to you physically, emotionally, and spiritually, why I personally quit alcohol in 2010. I've never shared this story on my podcast, so I am so excited for you guys to hear this. We also talk about why the Blue Zones drink red wine for medicinal purposes, How to create new healthy habits that don't involve drinking and what you can actually do instead that will still bring you joy and socializing and happiness. We also talk about the link between alcohol, candida, gut health and leaky gut and how alcohol affects our hormones. We also chat about why quality matters, the healthiest alcohol that you can drink the detrimental effects of alcohol. We also talk about alcohol and weight gain and how alcohol affects your sleep and mitochondria. And we also talk about whether it decreases inflammation and the important genes that you need to know about and how to get your genes tested, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 197. And before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this comes from May from Perth, and it's a five-star review titled Life Changing. And she says, this is a life-changing podcast. Highly recommended. Thanks, Melissa, for inspiring us on our best life. May, you are so welcome, and thank you so much for that beautiful review. I'm very grateful. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the amazing and super knowledgeable Dr. Stephen Cabral. Welcome back, Stephen. It's so great to have you on the show again. And I know you know this first question, but what did you have for breakfast this morning?
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate being able to to chat with your community, your audience. And my answer never changes. So today was a smoothie this morning and lots of great fresh berries, some greens in there, daily nutritional support powder, and I do my, my daily fruit and vegetable blend. So that was it.
0: Yum. Now, I think you are officially the most repeated guest on the show, which means you have overtaken Nick, which he's not going to be happy about. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But today we're talking about something I've not really spoken a lot about on my podcast. I have talked about it in my books, Open Wide and Mastering Your Mean Girl. But I haven't really spoken a lot about this, and that is why I quit alcohol back in 2010, and I literally have not had a sip of alcohol since. But first I want to share with you why I quit drinking. For those of you that have been around for a while, have read my books, listen to my podcast, you guys will know that in 2010, I hit rock bottom and I ended up in hospital, I had a whole host of health issues physically, and then also mentally, I was dealing with depression and anxiety. And at that particular time in my life, I was in a very dark place. I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise. I was surrounded by very toxic relationships. I wasn't nourishing my temple. I didn't even treat my body like a temple. And I was using alcohol pretty much every single weekend to numb myself. You know, I looked forward to the Saturday night so I could just completely numb how I was truly feeling. And it used to give me confidence. You know, I would have to have a few drinks before I would go out because it gave me confidence to walk into the bar or the club. And I drank to be accepted. I drank to be cool. I drank, you know, because of peer pressure. So my relationship with alcohol was. A 1000% not a healthy relationship. And I can put my hand on my heart and say it was not a good relationship. And I get asked a lot about why I don't drink. So this is why I wanted to bring you on to have this conversation with me because you are an expert in health and wellness. You are our go-to guru. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are in similar situations to me Where they're simply drinking alcohol for confidence or peer pressure or to numb or, you know, any of those reasons. And I want to shine some light on it today. But first off, where did this whole history of binge drinking come from? Like, do you, I want to hear your perspective on this. Like, why has our society, Taken it, what was back in the past, you know, used for medicinal purposes. How have we gotten to where we are today with such a binge drinking society?
1: Well, so one of it is simply access to alcohol. You know, it is so plentiful everywhere that you go. I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but believe it or not, here in the United States, you can literally go to your You know, local grocery food store or even a gas station and pick up alcohol. So very easily available. And the other part is that just like you were saying, many people drink alcohol to forget or to just at least if it's only for 12 hours to quiet the mind of all of their different problems. So it's a, it's a really great escape. Now I say great as in that it actually works, but it only works while someone's in that state. And then eventually they have to come back and face life. And oftentimes is what I found is that life is even more challenging after they've had the alcohol because they're in a worse off spot. And we'll talk about that today. But I think there's a couple things and I think why it's always been used throughout history is that it is a numbing agent, just like you spoke about. And it's so effective, which is why people turn back to it time and time again.
0: So what is alcohol actually doing to us physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Because it's not just affecting our physical body. We know that it's affecting us emotionally and spiritually. What is it doing to us?
1: Well, so a couple of things i like to say right away is that alcohol is a known poison and you are feeling the effects of that poison. So that's actually where you get the inebriated base feeling is that it's poisoning the body. It is toxic to the body. Now, I want to to play both sides of this as well, because like yourself, there was a reason why I gave up alcohol for a good amount of time. I used to drink alcohol every Friday and Saturday night when I was in college, starting in college, and then for a couple of years after that as well. But for me, the reason why, I'll just give a short story, the reason why I gave it up is that I would take two steps forward during the week in terms of my health. And then I would take a big giant step back, sometimes three steps back. So I was worse off come Sunday, come Monday morning. And that was not helping me forward in my health based path. And we could talk about all the things that it does to the body. But another big one for me too. And the reason why I'm, I'm not, you know, into it as much today, I still will have a couple drinks every now and again. I can, and I can share when that is and why, but I don't like how I feel the next day. And I'm such a huge proponent of owning your day and getting the most out of life that if anything sets me back from really getting the most out of that next day and waking up and being present, then I don't like to do it. So just getting back to your question, though, the way that it it works is that you're feeling the effects of the alcohol, which is breaking down in your body as ethanol, and your liver is having to detoxify it. So if you think about it, we've we've done so much work now. We know so much in functional medicine about liver detoxification. Well, think about slowing down that process of eliminating all the 77,000 man-made chemicals, right? You're just walking outside and breathing in brake dust and you're getting lead in the air. You're getting chlorine and fluoride in your water. The average woman is exposed to 126 different chemicals, endogenous chemicals from makeup and shampoo and conditioner and lipstick, which they don't even know has lead in it. And they're they're being exposed to all these things, but the liver, luckily, is doing its best to keep up. Now, if you put alcohol into the system, it has to slow down its detox processes in order to deal with the biggest toxin right now, which is the alcohol that you just put into your system.
0: Right, and and I personally, and I know you are like this too. We do so much to limit the toxic exposure that goes in our bodies. You know, we use all natural products, organic products from skincare to shampoos and conditioners. And I have worked so mindfully over the past nine years to remove as much toxicity and poison from my environment that for me, it was like, why would I then go and add more? And like you said, our livers are working so hard. They're working so hard just to detox, you know, the environmental toxins that we're exposed to on a daily basis. And then you add in the chemicals in our shampoos and conditioners. They're already working so hard. So I'm like, why would I make my liver work even harder? The poor thing's like trying to do the best that it actually can. So why would I make it work even harder? And for me, I'm the same as you. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way I felt the next day. So on a Sunday, you know, and my whole Sunday would be written off. It'd be spent me laying down on the couch, usually eating some sort of greasy, unhealthy food. And that is how I spent a majority of my Sundays in my late teens and early 20s. And then I stopped and I was like, wow, I have a whole extra day in my week now. And so that was really exciting and I felt so amazing. But why do you think that in the blue zones, which is the cultures around the world with the most centenarians, in almost all of the blue zones, drinking good quality red wine is part of their culture and it's named as a pillar of longevity. Do you think it's the wine... Or the socializing and relaxation side of things that has the benefits?
1: It's a great question. And I also love the point about getting a full day back in your week because you really do. Like you get Sundays back. And so you can still, you know, go out to brunch with friends or you could, you know, go out and exercise. You can do all of those things without the brain fog, the cloudiness and able to get to sleep at a normal time that night. Because so many people, it throws them off for the next day or two on Monday and Tuesday because they can't get back into a normal sleep rhythm. Because when you drink alcohol, you don't get into that deep level REM sleep, and you end up having to sleep longer and later, and you never feel refreshed, which makes it more difficult to go to bed Sunday night. So all that's absolutely true. Now, in terms of the blue zones, this is something that I've studied inside and out. Because all I care about in my practice isn't who's right, who's wrong, but what's the truth? And I, you know, really, to not say that there's not a lot of evidence and truth to the blue zones to learn from, in my opinion now, gets to be ignorant. I know that a lot of people say like, oh, well, you know, what about this? And they can always show outliers. There's no doubt about it. But we just found, this was literally just discovered and it's in Bolivia. And I can, I can send up a link. This, I just saw this two days ago. Another, what will be now be considered a blue zone-based culture of what they ate, what they drink, and all of these different types of things and how active they are. It is my opinion that the alcohol, and I can back this up with with research as well, but alcohol is not extending lifespan by itself, but what it does is it decreases the stress hormone cortisol. Now, it does that when you are enjoying yourself. If you are miserable, that's a different story. But with the blue zones, what do they do? Well, they gathered as communities. They got around, they worked for the food, they cooked it, they might have each brought some things together, they, they got together, they enjoyed themselves as family, as friends, they had a glass or two or so of wine, they weren't drinking six glasses, and we're also talking about glasses that are four ounces, six ounces, not an eight-ounce glass, we're not talking about a big pour. And you would use it almost as a digestive as well, with a nice, with a larger meal. Because we're eating smaller meals, and you get together as a community, it would be a larger meal. I always give the analogy, when I when I was younger, every Sunday after church, we would go over to my grandmother's. So everybody would be gathered around, it'd be my family, my grandmother, my grandfather, my uncle, and we would all have this big meal. But no other time during the week did we have a big meal. And that's also when the adults might have a glass or two of wine. We had dessert that day. It was spread out over three hours. And so to me, that is one of the best things you can do. Now, you don't need alcohol to do it. You can do it naturally by decreasing stress hormones. Now, what does that mean? Well, what about doing, and I know that you're big on this, a self-care day. What about if you took your Saturday or Sunday and you went to the spa or you did an Epsom salt soak or an exercise, a workout, and then acupuncture or a light massage? All of those would work as well to reduce those stress hormones.
0: So for the people listening who were like, but Stephen, I need it every night to relax. You're saying that maybe we could try some other strategies like the Epsom salt bath or meditation or some yin or hatha yoga or a relaxing infrared sauna. There's so many other things that are healthier for you that you could do instead in the evening instead of reaching for the glass of wine or the or whatever alcohol your choice is
1: my question is always why if people because I have friends who drink every single night and they they go home and they have a, a you know a bottle of wine whatever it might be and I'm not here to judge at all like that's totally fine that's your life and you're an adult you get to make those decisions as long as it's not harming anyone else but I always ask why so why are you getting to the point that you're getting? essentially inebriated or drunk every night or having multiple glasses, that if you didn't do it, something in your life would be missing. So I always ask that first because I'm, I'm big, yes, nutritional supplements or add-ons or whatever it might be to combat. Sure, absolutely. I agree with it. But I also look at it as, can you not do it? And if you can't, what is the reason why? And it usually, again, it goes back to escape. People don't like their work. They might not be in the best relationship. They might be in a bad place with their family, with parents, whatever it might be. And it's some form of escape. So my ideal goal is this. Let's work on all areas of life. I always call it the big five. Relationships, body transformation to a healthy spot, wellness, spirituality, and your career. I think you need to master those five. Nobody's perfect. But if you get yourself set in those five spaces, I'll tell you, most people who do that, they don't really want to drink that much and they don't want to do it nightly. And the reason is they're going to miss out on getting up early or taking advantage of every hour of the next day. That's my opinion, but that is what I see.
0: I have to interrupt this juicy conversation to tell you about today's podcast sponsor, Sweaty Betty Active Wear. Now, I first discovered Sweaty Betty in my early 20s when I lived in London for two years, which is where their first store was opened. 20 years later, Sweaty Betty is still going strong. And for those of you that have been following me for a while will know that my standard daily uniform is either a bikini or activewear. And their power leggings are my favorite. I love how they soak up moisture and are made with such quality that they last For years. And I love the name, power leggings. They make me feel super powerful. And I believe when you feel good in what you're wearing, you will show up to the world as the best version of yourself. So today we're giving you 20% off all full priced items with the code MA Tribe. All you have to do is head to sweatybetty.com forward slash podcast and use the code MA Tribe for 20% off. How cool is that. Now, let's get back to this epic conversation. And a lot of people when they come to me and they they realize that I haven't had a sip of alcohol since 2010, they're like, "How? Like how have you done that?" And and how can I how can I do that? Because they want to embark on that as well and they just don't know where to start. And I'm the same as you. I always ask them, "Well, I want you to reflect on why. Why are you drinking? Why?" Is it to numb? Is it to give you the confidence? Is it to fit in? Is it a bit of peer pressure? Is it to be cool? I personally think, you know, we really need to look at the why because those were the reasons why I did it. And I personally think they're not the best reasons. And so maybe next time you do go and have a drink, you ask yourself, well, why am I doing this? Do I feel peer pressure right now? Am I trying to fit in? Is it a habit? And be really honest with yourself because often a lot of it is habit. And I used to go out every Friday and every Saturday night for cocktails. Now I go out for coconuts, you know? So it's instead of catching up for drinks with your friends, go and do something different. So when I realized, okay, this is not how I want to live my life anymore. I, I thought, okay, well, what am I gonna do with my Saturday night? And what am I now gonna do with my Sundays? And I had to create new healthy habits. And I didn't even know where to begin. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go for a walk with my friends, or I'm gonna do something creative, like an art class or a pottery class. I'm gonna go stand up paddleboarding. I'm gonna go to the beach. I'm gonna play tennis. There are a million things that you can do in a social environment that don't require you to become unconscious and poison yourself. And I have two really great friends here in Australia, their meditation teachers, Tim Brown and Gary Goro, and they created an event called the Conscious Club. And it was once a month and they put it on in Sydney. And then I think they moved it around and they did one in Brisbane and one in Melbourne as well. And once a month, they did this conscious club where they brought, sometimes there was about 600 people there. And it started with like 30. And I went to the first ever one. And we began with a meditation. And it was about coming together to become conscious because they, you know, used to party as well. And they, you know, stopped that long, a long time ago. And then they were like, well, what can we do on a Friday and a Saturday night? So they created the conscious club and they brought people together on a Friday and Saturday night and we watched an inspiring doco. There was sometimes live music. There was an organic vegan meal. There was meditation and mingling. And this took off. As you can imagine, Stephen, it absolutely took off. And so I want to encourage everybody listening to instead of doing your habitual Friday night drinks, Saturday night dinner and drinks, you know, do something different or just go to bed and then wake up early and you've got all of your day on Saturday and all of your day on Sunday to do the things that make you feel good as opposed to doing the things that are poisoning your body.
1: Absolutely right. And that's, that's the interesting thing is that you will never get to even move, in my opinion, closer to the things that you want out of life if you're pushing yourself further away by participating in excessive alcohol. I'm not talking about a drink, but excessive alcohol. And the reason is that a lot of the time we have to do what we have to do Monday through Friday. A lot of people are in jobs right now that they may not love. But in order for you to work on you, then you need the weekends. And if you are waking up late because you stayed out late or you're waking up hungover or whatever it might be, you're not going to get to that space in the first place. Like you need that time. And you also, you don't just need the time, but you need to make sure that you're clear headed that you can sit down and write or you can study for that certification or exam or whatever it is that you're doing so there's so much to the benefit of that meaning like that the time that you get back and i love that people are creating groups like that you know one thing that i'll share is just that i still i so i believe everybody needs to take a sabbatical from almost everything in life every once in a while and because when you step back you can think more clearly Whenever you're in a certain situation, it's difficult to think. It's almost like when you want to respond on social media or an email, you give yourself the night to think about it and you're more clear-headed the next day. Well, think about it this way. Give yourself, I always say 21 days, give yourself three weekends off from drinking. And that might mean that you need to just come up with excuses, go on a vacation, go away from your, your drinking buddies, your friends, whatever it might be, your social group. And then do that and see how you feel. You need a different frame of reference. You need to create what I call a new normal for a period of time of what life could be like or maybe like. Now, you might say but I miss all of those friends because I work with many people and I've been in the situation myself where now they're missing out on their their community of friends, the people that they like. Now, one, you need to make some new friends. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to forget about your old ones, but make these new friends that do and participate in other things besides drinking alcohol. And especially if you have body transformation or wellness-based goals. Because I do want to share some scary propositions of what alcohol can do to the body in, in a moment. But what I did was this. I took some time away from the the guys, my buddies, that I would always go out and drink with. And I didn't do that because I don't think that they're some of the most amazing humans in the world because I believe that they are and still feel that way to this day. But I needed some time for myself to get my insomnia back in check, to get my wellness back in check, and to really work on my, we would call it adrenals, but it was the HPA axis. And alcohol absolutely destroys the adrenals and the HPA axis with electrolytes and sodium retention, et cetera. So that's what I did. And then what I realized was a lot of the time when I was drinking, I was doing it to like fit in as part of the group. So I said, is it possible for me to go out with the same group of people and they drink, but I don't? knowing full well that they're gonna say, come on, have a drink, or why are you drinking? And then the first time I might just say, Oh, well, I'm you know, I'm on a special diet or whatever it might be. I'm taking the weekend off. And you see how you do. And and I found out it was not that bad because these are a great group of people. I love hanging out with them. They can drink and I I don't have to. And it's what I do to this day for the most part. I go out, I order a soda water with a splash of cranberry and a, a couple squeezes of lime, like a couple of limes in it. To me, since I don't typically have even a splash of cranberry, that's like a special drink. So that is what I reserve for only when I go out. And when I'm going out with my friends and they see me drinking that, they are just happy that I'm out hanging out with everybody. And so they don't need me to drink. Now, in the beginning, they thought it might make them feel awkward because they're drinking and I'm not. But I made sure that I was still the same person, that I would still go out, you know, be goofy, having a good time, whatever it might be. And we still we, we just had just as good a time. So, if I can pass this on to other people, like you can still go out, you can not drink, and as long as you're okay with it, and you don't act different, and you don't judge anyone, it can be a great time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just about getting creative and finding different things to do or different things to drink. You know, when you know we're toasting for a friend's thirtieth or fortieth or fiftieth, or at a wedding. I have sparkling water and I put my essential oils in there. So I'll put a drop of grapefruit in there or lemon or lime. And to me, that is like a special drink. It's like it tastes like something naughty. And I just put that in my champagne glass and no one even knows. No one cares. And I don't care. But to be honest, I do have to shine some light. Like at the start in my early 20s, because this was around... 23 when I was transitioning I was so self-conscious about what other people were going to think of me I thought okay they're not going to want to be my friend and there was some people that didn't want to be my friend anymore but I had to keep reminding myself that that's okay that's okay and it's okay to transition from friends if that's no longer true for you it's okay And what you do then is you create space for other people to come into your life. And if that's happening, then I don't want you to be hard on yourself. I just want people to know that that is okay and that can happen. And you've just got to continue to stay true to you because every time you go out and you drink, even though you don't want to and it's no longer true for you, you are denying your truth and that builds resentment. And resentment causes dis ease in the body. It creates disharmony. So, we need to make sure that we're always living in alignment with our truth and we're staying on our path so that we don't get ourselves sick. You know, we want to stay true to ourselves in every area of our life. You know, like you were saying before, the top five areas, it's really important that we are living in alignment with our highest values in those top five areas. But I would love to shift gears a tiny bit now and go a bit more into the physical. I want to talk about what alcohol does to candida and leaky gut because I know there are so many people who are out there doing, you know, gut healing protocols and and doing all these amazing things, but then they're going out on a Friday and Saturday night and drinking, and I'm kind of like, oh. <laughs> you might be wasting your time. And we all know how important gut health is. Like, Unless you've been living under a rock, you know how much I bang on and on about gut health. So what does alcohol actually do to our gut? And can you talk about candida and leaky gut and the effects that alcohol has on this?
1: Without a doubt. and And you're right. You eventually can have some alcohol, but in the beginning, people are trying to eliminate this food and that food, or they're on, you know, even like a carnivore-based diet or keto-based diet, but then they're drinking alcohol on the weekend and and saying, oh, it's keto-based alcohol. They just don't work together. Like, that's just not how, how things work. And so when you look at it, you're looking at alcohol and you're looking at predominantly fructans or fructose that is feeding the yeast or bacterial overgrowth. So a lot of people have candida overgrowth. Many other people have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But really what we're talking about are sugars that are in the alcohol. Now people say, well, this alcohol has no sugar. From a technical standpoint, that might be true in terms of sugar, but it has sugar alcohol. And that sugar alcohol falls under part of the FODMAPs, which just stands for fructo-oligo-dye-mono-and-polysaccharides that feed yeast feed candida and feed bacteria. So when you look at that and when you drink alcohol, you are actually feeding the gut. It's why if you do have a balanced microbiome and you have a little bit of wine or a little bit of alcohol, it is actually acts as a prebiotic and feeds the bacteria. Now it does that if it's imbalanced as well. But another big thing that you get from alcohol, and it's not a good thing, that you wouldn't get from just say like, let's say grapes, or we'll say fruit, is that when you take in alcohol, you actually create increased intestinal permeability. We refer to it as leaky gut, typically. Now when this happens, you are spilling proteins, so you're gonna become more intolerant to certain foods, you increase overall inflammation, whether it's bacteria spilling out, proteins, amino acids, yeast, et cetera, That's coming through the gut wall. Now, when that happens, inflammation increases. When inflammation increases, we begin to see things such as the first signs of dis-ease in the body. Many people end up with autoimmune-based issues. They end up with headaches or skin rashes such as psoriasis or eczema. They get rosacea. And we don't always attribute that To leaky gut. But we know now, very scientifically, that 90% of all autoimmune based conditions have leaky gut intestinal permeability as its primary source, its primary underlying root cause of what set off the immune system. Now, there's debates of how the immune system gets set off, but there's not a debate that intestinal permeability begins to set off that cascade based event. So if you're someone dealing with yeast overgrowth, SIBO, H. pylori, or intestinal permeability, and you're trying to fix that, I really recommend cutting back on the alcohol, at least in the beginning, and then very moderate. And moderate does not mean daily once you recover.
0: There's two people off the top of my head that I can think about that when they drink, as soon as they drink, they literally get this red rash all over their neck. What is that? What's going on there?
1: So there could be vasodilation. So they're getting that blood flow right to the skin, and oftentimes that is mediated by what are called cytokines in the body, and it's immediate response. So it's an IgE response or an IgA response, or these things called leukotrienes, but basically it's the immune system and histamines, as people might have heard histamines before, that are actually an immune-based reaction to the alcohol they're drinking. Now, maybe it's the type of alcohol, so they might have an issue with beer, or they might have an issue, a lot of times we see it with red wine. So we'll see with red wine sometimes champagne but if someone to drink white wine we don't see anything or if someone to drink beer we don't see anything so it can it does matter based on what it is sometimes and also what we've seen is this people have gone over to Europe and they've drank wine from a you know biodynamic all organic no pesticide form and they'll then drink it in the US or a place that has a lot of pesticide spraying and grapes are one of the highest pesticide sprayed fruits out there And a lot of times we believe it could actually be a pesticide-based reaction. But whatever it is, you know, and you can attribute it directly to what you just consumed, and that was the alcohol.
0: So their body is having an allergic reaction, like a histamine reaction to the alcohol. Is that right?
1: Yeah, or whatever's in that alcohol. Again, it could be the alcohol itself. It could be the food source, gluten, rye, grapes, etc., corn, or it could be the pesticides.
0: Yeah, and all the preservatives and other junk that they put in there.
1: Yeah, the yeast they add to it. Yep.
0: So what about alcohol and hormones, you know, especially women, like how does drinking affect our hormones because I know another thing that you and I talk about a lot and we see a lot is so many women have hormonal based issues. I you know, I feel like almost every female I speak to has some sort of hormonal based issue. So how does alcohol affect our hormones?
1: Yeah, and you know what? You're right on. So your hunches, that's why I say anecdotal evidence and anecdotal talk, like with your friends, you're in the health field, you speak to tens of thousands of women. And when they come back saying this, and I've got this, and I've got this, it's, that's real data. Like that matters. A lot of people say like, oh, that's just anecdotal. Well, anecdotal evidence is where you start. And then you can back it up with science as well. And I'm teaching a class right now, an online class on this, and I'm going through estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominance, I run thousands and thousands of labs every year. And I can tell you that about eight out of 10 women have some degree of estrogen dominance. That means during the luteal phase, during the last 14 days of their menstrual cycle, typically somewhere between Five days to maybe ten days before they get uh, day one of menstruation, they get more PMS-based symptoms, and it might just feel like bloating or nervousness or irritability, or it might be skin rash, or it might be headaches. It could be water retention, skin rash, etc. But this is this is really predominant in our in our culture, in our society, and even when again, we're again working with postmenopausal, progesterone levels are lower. So I want to go over that. And the reason is this, that alcohol creates more estrogen dominance. It can actually produce more estrogen. Multiple pathways. One, it increases blood sugar. Two, it decreases restful sleep. Three, it can increase the fight or flight or stress-based response from a blood sugar. So what happens is when you drink alcohol, you actually spike blood sugar. But there's a subsequent event that happens the next morning, which is usually hypoglycemia, low blood sugar which is how it affects your adrenals, because then your adrenals get into a more of a a fight-or-flight-based response. It's the the HPA axis, but for today's show, we'll just call it the adrenals. So your adrenals spike stress hormones, which are catecholamines, norepinephrine and and adrenaline, and then cortisol. Well, that spikes it up, and that brings more blood sugar into your bloodstream, because your body needs that for fight-or-flight, and then you get this yo-yo-based effect. So it affects mood, and it affects, again, vasodilation, headaches. A lot of women get breast tenderness, or they get skin rashes, or they start to get PCOS-based symptoms because then it can affect, again, when cortisol and stress goes up, progesterone goes down. Estrogen, I'll tell you this, is typically always normal on a lab test, almost always. However, progesterone is low, which means that women, it feels like high estrogen. And that's what estrogen dominance is because estrogen has to be in balance with progesterone. When it's not, you get all of the symptoms of high estrogen, even if estrogen is normal, because it's not in balance. Your body always works to achieve something called equilibrium or homeostasis. When it can't do that, it has to compensate. And then we get the downfall. We get the, again, that's where the mood comes into it. The lower mood, the irritability, trouble sleeping, low libido, low ambition, low drive, brain fog. And I can't tell you how many women we've worked with and do work with, with all of those symptoms and they have no idea that it's coming from estrogen
0: dominance. Wow. Holy moly. And it could be as simple as just removing the alcohol for a couple of weeks and seeing how your body responds to that. It could be as simple as that, you know? And, And you could increase your health and wellness by just doing something so simple. And not to mention like... Drinking alcohol is is quite expensive, you know. Like, it's an expensive hobby. And, you know, I remember when we first started dating, Nick and I, he would take me out to dinner, and he's like, "Geez, you're you're a cheap date, you know, because you (laughs) you don't drink alcohol." And it is you save a lot of money because you don't have to spend it on alcohol, then you don't have to spend it on taxis because you can drive, and then you're not buying fast food at you know all hours of the morning. And by no means am I being judgmental or anything like that. Whatever people choose to do is their choice, and I respect that 1,000%. Some of my best friends enjoy a glass of wine, and I don't judge them. I'm not judging anybody. What you choose to do with your time and your money is your choice. We are simply, and why I wanted to do this show, is to simply present the information so that you can reflect within yourself where you're at. That is why we are having this conversation today. It's not to be judgmental at all. I totally believe that everyone has their own choices and and that is perfectly okay, but I just want to present this data I'm just popping back in to tell you about another one of today's epic podcast sponsors, BetterHelp. For those of you that have been following me for a while will know that back in 2010, I hit rock bottom and ended up in hospital with my health taken away from me. I was dealing with a whole host of physical health issues, which you can read about in Mastering Your Mean Girl. But I was also dealing with some mental health issues from anxiety, panic attacks, eating issues, and depression. So that was the first time I started seeing a therapist, which helped me so much. From there, I have worked with so many coaches, counselors, therapists, and mentors who have all been very supportive for my growth and evolution. This is why I'm such a massive fan of getting support when you feel you need it. Some people think that you have to do this thing called life alone, but let me tell you, you don't. You don't have to do it alone, and reaching out for support is okay. In fact, it's very brave and courageous. This is why I love BetterHelp, which connects you online to over 4,000 licensed therapists, counselors, and caring professionals that specialize in the issues that you want to talk about. Now, another epic thing is that your sessions can be done via video, phone, chat, or even text if you don't feel comfortable doing a video conversation or even a phone conversation and you can communicate with someone within 24 hours which is great for those times when you feel you really need to talk to someone quickly and sometimes booking in with someone in person can take weeks i know that's been the case for me and all you need to do is fill out the form online and they hook you up with the best person for your needs how awesome is that and we are giving the MA tribe 10% Off your first month with the discount code MA Tribe. And if you're currently struggling with something, please reach out and get support with BetterHelp. All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA Tribe to get your 10% off. And remember, it isn't shameful to ask for help and support, it is actually incredibly brave and courageous. So, please reach out if you feel you need support and help right now. Head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe. Now, let's get back to this juicy conversation. And something else that I also wanted to shine some light on is obviously, like with food, quality matters, especially when it comes to alcohol. Now, even if it is the best quality in the world, you know, i it doesn't interest me. You know, some people are like, oh my gosh, there's this expensive red from Italy that's been fermenting for decades. Like to me, it just doesn't it doesn't interest me, you know, but there's some other people that that really interest they they're they're connoisseurs. they're wine connoisseurs. But I really want everybody listening to. Consider the quality, you know, and I'd love for you to shine some light on how important when it comes to alcohol is quality.
1: The quality, without a doubt, that matters. There's no doubt about that. I believe if you're going to drink wine, I would love to see people go with more of a dry red wine. I would love to see them in terms of looking for an organic, a biodynamic, which are different. So, it has to do with the type of pesticides they use for the organic, And then also the biodynamic is how they're treating the soil, how they're growing in general, like all of those things matter. So I would love to see that. You also support a lot of smaller wineries and vineyards, which is a great thing to do. You learn more about it. So that may allow you to reflect on other types of wine. You might feel less of the detrimental effects the next day. But you know, even if we're not talking about wine, the biggest thing that I see is what people are mixing a lot of these mixed drinks with. So if you're going out and you're getting, whether it's vodka or whatever else, rum, a lot of times you are taking the 30 grams or so of sugar that would be in one shot or six ounces of wine or you know an, an eight-ounce beer or so, and you're then doubling that with a mixer. So if you're adding fruit juice to it or a sweet and sour mix or something like that, you're literally doubling the sugar content. So you're taking it from 30 grams or so for a lot, not not all of them are 30 grams, but most are. And you're now doubling that to 60. And if we just do a quick multiple of four, you're now taking in what, 240 calories. So that's just from the sugar of empty calories. And that is obviously not good for blood sugar, right? It's not good for body fat. And what it does is even more detrimental, which is how it throws off your immune system, and it throws off your electrolytes. So a lot of times we're getting depleted of sodium, and we're getting depleted of a lot of other minerals such as calcium and magnesium. That's why drinking and chronic alcohol can lead to osteoporosis, and it can lead to a lot of other detrimental effects, which is why, you know, even after I said, okay, well, I'm more productive, I feel better the next day, I don't have to stay out as late, et cetera, et cetera. I also said, well, there's a lot of health-based effects. And in my family, I'm not exactly born into the greatest genetics. You know, so I'm looking at heart disease, I'm looking at cancer, I'm looking at diabetes. And the more alcohol you drink, the more chance for high blood pressure, the more chance for cholesterol-based issues, the more chance for type 2 diabetes or blood sugar issues, and then also an increase in esophageal cancer, throat, mouth, bowel cancer, colon cancer, liver cancer, breast cancer in women. So when I see that, and then I also say, well, an increased risk for dementia for a lot of people, I just say, I need to keep this to special occasions that I choose that they don't choose me. So if I'm like, for example, and this will be the last part of this, is that I'm going to a wedding this coming weekend. I'll be seeing friends that I won't have seen in maybe 10 years, a lot of my high school buddies. And I've been friends with them for 20 years. And I'll be at a wedding. A lot of people drink at weddings. I don't know if I will or not. But I give myself the option to drink if I choose to, if I feel it's what I want to do that night. But if I do drink alcohol, I don't need to drink like I'm 20 years old anymore, 21 years old here in the U.S., we'll say. I can have one drink or two drinks and be good. And so that's what I also want people to get to the point where every once in a while, when you enjoy it, when you want to, it's a social setting. If you choose to, good but you're in control. You decide if you have one drink, two drinks, or you know what? You start drinking, you're drinking, you're like, you know what? No, I don't want to drink tonight. And then when you can stop, that means you are in total control. That's what it's all about in life.
0: Yes, exactly. And not succumbing to that peer pressure. You are the one in control. You make the choices of how many and if and when. And I think that is really important that we take ownership but I would love to chat to you about alcohol and weight gain because I talk about this in my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl. A few years ago, I gave my dad a little assignment and I said to him, let's try as a new year's resolution. Let's try you not drinking a single drink for all of January. Okay. Let's just try that and don't change anything else like i don't want you to change a single thing and he didn't increase his exercise he didn't change his diet he was still eating exactly the same and you know my dad would have pretty much a glass every day maybe more and he likes he enjoys different things he enjoys spirits he enjoys beer he enjoys wine he enjoys champagne like he he you know he doesn't just have one thing that he enjoys and so he did it He did all of January with zero alcohol, not even a sip. And he reported to me on the 1st of February and I said, dad, how did you go? And he said, I have never felt better. Not only that, he lost six kilos. And he was sleeping throughout the entire night, where in the past, he would get up maybe two, three, four times a night to go to the bathroom. And so he was sleeping through the whole night and getting good quality sleep. He'd lost weight and he was no longer craving, you know, the sugary, salty foods. And he even said, he was like, I would go out and all of his buddies were like, come on, drink, have a drink. And he's just like, "Mm, this is not the environment that I really want to be in. And so it really was such a big shift for him. And so I would love to hear for someone who has a wellness goal of losing weight, let's talk about alcohol and weight gain.
1: Absolutely. And for anyone thinking that the story you just shared is unique to your dad, we see that every single week in our practice. Even just in our, so we have two practices here in in Boston. One's a personal training body transformation studio that we've had forever. And then one's our functional medicine practice that we've had not quite as forever, but a long time. And oftentimes the personal trainers there who help clients with nutrition and exercise, they just do 21 days. We try to do the alcohol free you would not believe the life transformations that take place with going alcohol-free for 21 days. And the worst, like, there's no downside. The worst thing is you tried it, and you're like, oh, well, it wasn't that big a deal. But for a lot of people, the joint pain goes away. Just like you said, sleeping through the night and feeling well-rested. And the reason is that you are getting into deeper levels of REM sleep. For, For most of us, we try to get, like, three or four full sleep cycles in. So when you look at that, every 90 minutes, we're trying to get in all these sleep cycles. Well, the alcohol, you're in and out of them. You don't get those full sleep cycles. So brain fog, cloudy thinking, you're gonna have more of that the more alcohol you drink. And also your dad waking up multiple times during the night. Well, there's a hormone that your body naturally produces when cortisol levels are low and melatonin levels are high called antidiuretic hormone. And when we have this, the body says, We don't, we aren't going to get up to urinate right now right? Because typically you would never go eight hours without having to use the restroom. You have to, you have to urinate, but your body shuts it off at night so you can sleep through the night. But it doesn't do that with alcohol because you're not getting into those deeper levels of sleep. Plus your blood sugar is dysregulated. Your liver cytochrome P450 pathway is really ramped up in order to break down this alcohol. And it makes it even harder with all these people with genetic mutations of the MTHFR gene. And I know you've spoken about that before. Nick's spoken about that. Well, it's 33% of our population. It's about a third of our population has that. And you're not you're going to create even more inflammation with the alcohol. One is because it's depleting you of your B vitamins. So we know folate, B12, B6 are so important for neurotransmitters. I mean, just that alone. We talk about mood. Well, there's a reason why people reach for alcohol from a biochemical perspective. It produces more dopamine, at least while you're drinking it, and while your body craves it so much, but you're getting depleted, and you're not making as much natural dopamine as well, because your magnesium shortage, your B vitamin shortages, so all that is is huge. Now, in terms of weight loss, this is how we think of it. The reason why we tell people, no matter what you've tried before, and you just haven't been successful, it's because you put weight loss before health. We will help you lose weight. Because we don't care too much about helping you lose weight. What we look for are all the underlying imbalances that prevent you from losing weight or keeping it off. That's all we need to know. Because your body's not meant to be overweight. Now, some people are naturally thinner than others. We have the Vata-based body type versus the Kapha-based body type, the ectomorphic the endom- versus the endomorph. Both body types are beautiful, but they're built differently. One is not better than the other but they're different and they're going to weigh different amounts at five foot six, right? One person at five, six might weigh 135 pounds, 140 pounds. And another person might weigh 115 pounds. Like one isn't better than the other, but they're both at great weights for them. So what we do is we say we need to get the body healthy at a blood sugar level, at sleep, at stress, at the estrogen dominance that we just talked about and gut health. And believe it or not, By eliminating alcohol, you work on all of those at the same time. So that is one of the reasons why your dad and many other people are feeling so much better without alcohol in their system.
0: Mm, And sleep is so important. You know, Every single expert that I have had on this podcast has mentioned sleep at some point and how important it is. And so if you aren't getting that deep quality eight hours every single night, then your body isn't at its optimal and it can't work and do all of the magic that we want it to do. And so, yeah, I I just love that. And and my dad has since done it again, and he did it just this last year gone, and he did it again and he said the same thing and but then he went back into it. And I was like, "Come on, dad." But he has definitely changed his relationship with it, which is really beautiful to see. And I had no idea that it depletes magnesium and B's. I didn't know that, which is really interesting. So, for yeah, people like Nick and I who have the MTHFR, it's really important that we know this. So, I love that you mentioned that. But what about I'm curious to hear about alcohol and mitochondria. How does that affect?
1: So, the alcohol will always be will always affect mitochondria for multiple have pathways. But for what it does on depleting the body of essential nutrients, like we just talked about the B vitamins, the magnesium that are all needed for the Krebs cycle, especially one of the more popular ones being talked about right now is something called nicotinamide riboside, NAD, which is a precursor to that is N-R, the nicotinamide riboside, which is really just vitamin B3, niacin. But niacin also helps to combat depression, and it helps with brain fog, and it helps with circulation. So really important that we look at this at multiple levels. For alcohol, you say, oh, well, I function fine the next day. I can sleep. Well, no matter what, if you're drinking alcohol, you are not getting into deeper levels of sleep. It just simply means that you're very good at compensating. You can wake up the next day and go about your day, and you're you're simply used to it. But in terms of the mitochondria as well, the more stress you place on them, the more that they're not going to function to their top level and this is chronic stress this isn't like a good workout type stress we're not talking about a hermetic like a, a good stress or such as like going in the sauna or doing a hard workout every once in a while but i'm talking about chronic stress and i'm mainly talking about alcohol where you're drinking it more days than not or even three days so if you were to drink and i'm just talking about let's say you had one or two glasses of alcohol on a friday night or saturday night i don't think that's too detrimental i really don't but if you're doing it two days in a row, the recovery isn't there. Because when you create inflammation in your body, it typically takes 16 to 31 hours to reduce that inflammation from a food-based stress. And that includes alcohol. It's been shown that if you, if you eat gluten or a process-based carb for many people, and you mix that with alcohol, it more than doubles the amount of time of the recovery process and inflammation. So we're typically looking at 31 hours or so. That's more than one day. So from Friday night, by the time you get to Saturday night, you're still inflamed from it. So inflammation, stress, blood sugar highs and lows, and a depletion of, I mentioned the the vitamins before, and I mentioned magnesium, but also sodium gets depleted as a natural diet, alcohol as a diuretic. So we have to be careful too with our electrolyte-based levels, especially for that Vata-based body type or that ectomorph body type, where they can start to get lower blood pressure. You know, for that, now again, the endomorph, because of increases in estrogen, Increases in potentially body fat, adipose tissue, and increases in blood sugar can actually get from the inflammation higher levels of blood pressure as well. So multiple factors, it's never straightforward. But alcohol, one more thing is it also acts as a, it can act as a stimulant in the short term, but a depressant always in the longer term, which is why you can feel great while you're drinking it, but not so great the next day. And, and that's a, a big part to look at it as well. It's just because it feels good in the moment, doesn't feel as good in the long run. And that's why if I can get people to do that little sabbatical and I can get their body healthier and healthier, I've just noticed that people on their own, as they get healthier, they drink alcohol less and less because they actually feel the effects more and more. One, they created a new normal. So now the effects of alcohol on this clean body is even greater. And number two is, like you said, you're doing all of these healthy things. and then You want to dump alcohol into the system? Probably not. Eventually, you get there. It's a slow process, but that's okay. It sticks that way.
0: Mm. So interesting. So interesting. Now, resveratrol, which is a polyphenol which you can get from chocolate and blueberries, is also found in good quality red wine. And there are studies that show drinking a really good quality, biodynamic, organic, clean red wine decreases several inflammatory markers. Now it's showing to also raise good cholesterol and decrease bad cholesterol. Is that correct? Or is this just like, you know, stuff that people are kind of saying to validate their
1: drinking? So that's interesting. And I don't know any of these questions that you're asking me. So these are just, again, like us having a good conversation on it, which is what health should really be about. We're not neither myself, you know, nor Melissa are really saying, do this, don't do that. We're just providing information and then people can make their best decision for what they would like to do in life. And and that's great, you know, either way. But here's the thing, approximately 26% of the population has something in what's called the APOE genotype. And it's a four allele. Now, you get two copies, you get one from your mom, one from your dad. So you can be a 3-4 or a 4-4. And we know that people that have at least one copy of that four allele, they're in the 26% of the population. Those people more prone to cardiovascular issues, more prone to dementia and Alzheimer's. Okay, they're much more prone to inflammation. And when they've done clinical studies on people with the ApoE genotype 4, 3, 4, or 4, 4, but especially the 4-4, those people, when you give them alcohol. It decreases their good cholesterol, their HDL, and it increases the negative cholesterol, the LDL, from inflammation as an oxidative-based stress on the body. So it's really interesting because, again, there is 60% of the population with a 3-3 where if you give them one glass, and I did a podcast on this as well. It's showing this, that that amount could increase good cholesterol and then decrease bad cholesterol for the 3-3. However, it does not outweigh all of the other factors that we spoke about for sleep, for cancer risk, et cetera. And then, so again, knowing your genotype helps. If you know that you have a four in there, alcohol is just, it's just detrimental. And then the last part is this. Is resveratrol absolutely true? So it affects something called sirtuins, and we don't have to get too deep into that today, an anti-aging-based, essentially, protein. And when we look at that, resveratrol can help with that. But you can get resveratrol in many ways, like you just spoke about, and and we we know we need a lot of it, right? In studies, they've shown you have to get a lot of this when given to mice in order for this to have a great effect. I still believe we are getting the anti-aging benefits of alcohol from its calming of the sympathetic nervous system and its boosting of the parasympathetic nervous system, which boosts anti-aging hormones such as DHEA. And it allows your immune system to work better. It allows you to fight cancer-based cells through a process called apoptosis, where it it programs cell death for those cancer cells. And you're relaxed, you're enjoying yourself. So I just want people to find other ways to enjoy themselves besides alcohol. And that is where just getting into the healthy lifestyle in general, meeting new people, getting new hobbies, having more ambitions can allow you to get other enjoyment besides alcohol out of life
0: yes, and you can still get those polyphenols from your organic blueberries and your chocolate, which is awesome news. Absolutely. And if someone listening wanted to do the gene testing to find out whether they have that gene, I've done it, and I know there's twenty three and me. What are some other gene testing websites that people can can order a gene testing kit from?
1: Yeah, so I always and I want to be I never speak negatively. There's a double negative right there, against other companies, but be careful who you're running your your genetics through. So if the company is selling it at a very inexpensive price and they're collecting your data to be sold then to other companies, you have to be careful with that. So I can only recommend functional medicine-based companies, or you can ask your doctor if they will run your APOE genotype. And if they don't know what that means, well, you can ask them and they they might be able to figure it out. You can let them know before your appointment with them. Or you can run a good functional medicine-based genetic test. Usually that has to be through a doctor. We offer one online, but I don't want to promote that here today. I'd rather them find another source, ask your PCP, ask your local functional medicine doctor if they're able to run that EPOE genotype. And um, now again, the test is only as good as the interpreter. right? So you just want to make sure it comes with good data behind it. A lot of times the inexpensive tests I don't love because then they don't tell you what to do with it. So you need to take that data and then run it through another software now someone else has your genetics. So anyway, that's why I'm partial obviously to functional medicine.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This has been so awesome. I have got so much out of it. I have loved chatting to you about this. Is there anything else that we need to know about alcohol and our health? Anything else that I haven't asked you or that you really want to share?
1: Well, to sum things up, I would really say this. Never use alcohol with the belief that you're doing something to make yourself healthier because it's not. Because for all of the potential benefits it may have for calming the body down or increasing good cholesterol in some people don't use it for that, because there's a lot of negative consequences, meaning that your liver, there's more stress than that, there's more chance for cancer, etc. So if you're going to, my my goal is always to come back to what we started with. Why are you drinking in the first place? Now, if it's a Friday night, and you're part of a social-based group, and that's what you like doing, great. If you're typically having three to four drinks, could we take that down to one drink, and then after that, you have your soda water with your Essential oils, or you uh, put a splash of cranberry and some fresh lime in that. You know, could that be your drink after that? Or if you're used to, you know, having multiple drinks, or it's like a four-hour occasion you're out with people, maybe in between every drink, then you're doing the soda water. So you're cutting down on your total alcohol consumption. That will help. One to two drinks is massively different than three, four, five drinks of alcohol, without a doubt. And then decrease the number of days per week if you're drinking alcohol on a nightly basis. It will catch up with you. You will absolutely age faster, even if it's just from creating what's called advanced glycation end products, ages, very adeptly named or aptly named. And the reason is that that's an oxidative based process. You're literally breaking the body down faster and you're depleting your body of all of those stress-fighting vitamins, the B vitamins, and magnesium, and calcium. And again, all these processes are very slow. So as it weakens your sleep, as it weakens your bones and your muscles, all of it begins to show up months and years later. So simply reduce the amount of alcohol in your life, even if you don't want to give it up completely. And I mean, you'll see massive changes. You really will. Start with that 21-day sabbatical, and then just introduce to when you feel you would like it, and remember, As we're talking about, you always are the one in control. You decide when you want it, when you don't, and you can stop at any time. If you do that, I think you're gonna be so much healthier off.
0: Mm, Yes, thank you so much. That was perfectly said. And I hope everyone got so much out of this because I sure did. And I think it needs to be spoken about, especially in the culture that we live in, especially in Australia. The binge the binge drinking culture here is huge, and I'm sure it's the same in America. So I really, really hope that everyone listening just soaks this up and takes this in and reflects within themselves on their relationship with alcohol and maybe do a little bit of deep diving inward and... and check in on why, why you are doing it. So thank you again so much, Stephen, for being here, for the work that you do in the world, your podcast, your amazing IHP program, where you basically teach people how to become the healers in their home and to heal themselves and to be the healers in their community. What you're doing, the work that you're doing is so important and this is why, you know, I love you and I keep getting you back on and on and on. And I know there's going to be lots more, a lot, lot, lot more. So I hope you are prepared to continue to come back on the show because my tribe absolutely love you so much. So thank you for all the work you do and for being here again today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And without a doubt, one of my favorite, if my, my favorite podcast to be on your community. Is amazing. I just want to thank everyone out there too for the past shows they've been on, just for the tremendous support. And my community loves you as well. So thank you so much.
0: Guys, I hope you got so much out of this episode. And if you did, or if you know someone who may be struggling with alcohol dependency, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can tag them, you can share it on your social media just do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And please head on over to iTunes or Himalaya, hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And don't forget to come and join the MA Tribe private Facebook group where we can chat about this topic and you can share insights from this episode Plus, you can tell me who else you want me to get on the show and what else you want me to talk about. It's a very sacred space where we can come together to discuss all things mastering your mean goal and open wide, along with anything else that you feel called to contribute to the open and honest conversation. You'll also get some extra love and support personally from me that I won't be offering anywhere else. And one thing that I get asked a lot is, where can I find my tribe? Or where can I find like minded people? This is it, my friends. So head on over to com forward slash tribe to join now. And for everything that Stephen and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at com forward slash 197. And you can listen to all my other episodes there too. And just a reminder, if you haven't got Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships, and soulful sex, make sure you head to Melissaambrosini.com forward slash Open Wide to get your copy now. And you can also get access to my free Open Wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave that five-star review right now. I would be so grateful. And I read every single one of them. And I love your feedback and your thoughts. And I want this show to be the best show for you. So I am open to your feedback. So head on over and leave me that review right now. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. For wanting to be the best, the shiniest, and the healthiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it, text it, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.